Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 37 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. For early ad-free access to episodes, visit patreon.com forward slash they walk among us. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Around 9am on Monday, October 28th, 2002, Police officers were called to a warehouse on the Highton Industrial Estate in Brickfields, Merseyside. On the premises of CTI Trading Limited, under a pile of boxes near a forklift truck, the body of 46-year-old salesman Gerard Gilbert was discovered. Gerard's injuries were so shocking, it wasn't readily apparent how he died. However, identification in the trouser pocket of the victim provided the answer as to who he was. Found facing down and cold to the touch, a pool of blood surrounded his body. Streaks of blood on the floor indicated his body had been moved. There were holes scattered in the ceiling of the warehouse and nearly every bone in Gerard Gilbert's skull was shattered, indicating that he may have been shot in the head. The safe had been moved, although not cracked, which pointed to a robbery gone wrong. However, nothing else seemed to be missing or even out of place. Strange for a warehouse full of desirable items. That was, apart from one piece of fire safety equipment that had been taken from the scene. The area was cordoned off. A spokesperson from the Merseyside Police was interviewed, 
and urge members of the public who knew something to either call the police directly or they could contact Crime Stoppers anonymously. Detective Superintendent Russ Walsh stated, At the moment we still cannot say how he has died other than from severe head injuries. The post-mortem examination is being continued today to try and determine this. We are appealing for witnesses and would urge anyone who saw anything suspicious at the premises to contact us immediately. Owners of the company's trading on the Highton Industrial Estate were concerned that perhaps the attacker was someone looking for money. At a press conference held at Merseyside Police Headquarters, Detective Superintendent Russ Walsh refused to comment on whether or not Gerard Gilbert had been shot. Detective Superintendent Walsh confirmed that at 9pm on Sunday, October 27th, Gerard left his home on Newsham Drive in Shoebrook, six miles from the scene, and told his partner that he wouldn't be gone for more than an hour. He travelled in a blue Ford Transit van which was found outside the CTI trading warehouse. Further testing would need to be carried out before the police could provide the public with any additional information. The post-mortem completed by a home office pathologist proved to be inconclusive. On top of his horrific injuries, there was also significant bruising to the back of Gerard Gilbert's neck. When the body was moved, some small pieces of latex were found. They were sent off for analysis. It was also confirmed that a firearm had been discharged during the murder after shotgun shrapnel was found in the ceiling. Gerard's family, friends and work colleagues were interviewed to unearth any reason why someone would want him dead. He had been a long-standing employee at CTI Trading Limited and was described as an extremely hard-working person. The director of the business, Stephen Canavan, found the body. The Liverpool Echo spoke with Gerard's partner, mother of two, Anne Huxley, who was devastated. The couple had been through a rocky period in their relationship. They had been married for four years, and although divorced in early 2002, they had since reconciled and were happier than ever. Anne had a difficult upbringing, raised in one of the more deprived areas of Liverpool. She was ambitious went on to open a number of businesses and had two children with her previous husband. After meeting Gerard Gilbert on a night out, the two hit it off and Gerard was head over heels in love. He showered his soon-to-be wife with gifts and things seemed to be going well. They moved to a Victorian townhouse in Tubrook, but after a few years of marriage, the relationship soured leading to a divorce brought on in part by Gerard's addiction to gambling. Before the ink was dry on the divorce paperwork, did an unexpected twist, officially dissolving their union brought them closer together. The pair rekindled the love they had for one another, although this was tragically cut short. (laughs) 
After visiting a tanning salon, 37-year-old Anne hadn't been able to get hold of Gerard on the evening before his body was found and was growing ever more concerned when his mobile phone was going straight to voicemail. She spent time with a relative. She rang friends, family and the emergency services before heading to Gerard's place of work on the morning of October 28th. Anne told the Liverpool Echo, When I got home on Sunday night, Gerard was not in and his van was gone. I thought he had just gone out to see a friend, but after a couple of hours I started to worry. When I called his mobile phone and it was switched off, I started to panic even more. I waited until the morning and then went to his work to see if he was there. When I arrived there were police everywhere and I knew something terrible had happened to Gerard as his van was parked outside. The police told me that he had been found dead and I just broke down. It was a massive shock and I cannot understand why anyone would have done this. In a separate interview, Anne described her ex-husband as one of the most lovable men in the world. She said, He was just a normal and lovely man who liked to come home and snuggle up on the couch and watch TV. During a conversation with police, Anne spoke of Gerard's gambling problems and a debt of £11,000 he owed the director of CTI Trading after business funds had mysteriously gone missing. Employees within the Highton Industrial Estate remain concerned for their safety. Police reassured business owners by stepping up patrols in the area. Though Gerard Gilbert's injuries were horrifying, further testing completed during the post-mortem confirmed that he had in fact been battered to death, not shot at close range as initially thought. When a gun is fired, it will leave behind carbon residue, but none was found on the body. At the time, the specific murder weapon that inflicted the head wounds that Gerard Gilbert had sustained could not be identified. However, it would need to be heavy due to the damage it had caused. The assailant or assailants had carried out a frenzied attack with such ferocity they had beaten their victim's skull to a pulp. While police now knew how Gerard Gilbert died, they still didn't know why. Following Gerard Gilbert's murder, detectives looked into Anne Huxley's past. While being interviewed, she mentioned to police that she had previously had a stalker who had tried to abduct her daughter. Could he have been involved? Anne's interview with the local press about her former husband's murder wasn't the first time she appeared in the headlines. During the mid-90s, she operated a brothel out of her home on Chelwood Avenue in Liverpool which remained a local secret until she became embroiled in a police scandal. In July 1996, police constable and married father of one, Gary Titherington, was on duty with a fellow officer when Philip Glennon Jr. discharged a firearm at a bouncer outside the venue club in Tubrook before fleeing the scene. After firing at Titherington, Glennon was apprehended, charged, and found guilty of having ammunition with the intent to endanger life. He received six years. During a covert police operation into Glennon, 
it was revealed that a Merseyside detective, a member of the public, and a TV sports entertainment personality were leaking secret information about the investigation to Curtis Warren, Glennon's brother-in-law and reported drug baron. Detective Elmore Davis of the Merseyside Police, Tony Bray, and Micah Hearn, better known as Warrior from the UK TV sports entertainment game show Gladiators, had colluded to get Glennon off two attempted murder charges and tried to derail his prosecution. Detective Elmore Davis would disclose information about the investigation to Gladiator Micah Hearn and Tony Bray, who would then pass this on to Curtis Warren for payouts that were well into five figures. At Nottingham Crown Court, both Detective Elmore Davis and Micah Hearn were found guilty of corruption and perverting the course of justice. Along with Tony Bray, the three men were also convicted of plotting to scupper the prosecution of Philip Glennon Jr. But it was during this corruption trial that star prosecution witness, Police Constable Gary Titherington, would be forced to reveal he was having an affair with brothel owner Anne Huxley after he was seen in uniform with her buying a stereo. Anne gave the hi-fi to Titherington as a gift, but paid with a cheque that bounced. During a police interview, Titherington at first denied the relationship, but quickly corrected himself, admitting that he was romantically involved with her. This affair would have far-reaching consequences, as due to the deception, Philip Glennon would be granted a new trial and plead guilty to a lesser offence. Titherington's reliability as a witness was questioned, as a firearms expert could not confirm that Glennon had shot at Titherington. Also unbeknownst to Gary Titherington, his link to Anne Huxley would unearth the fact that she had been arranging for other workers in her agency to provide sexual favours to other officers. For this service, they would turn a blind eye to her business. This revelation further damaged the public's opinion of the Merseyside police, and for his part, PC Titherington received a warning that was not dismissed from the force. Anne Huxley shared the details of her affair and the comings and goings at her home with the press. In an interview with the Sunday People, she said, Over several years I had a lot of visits from the boys in blue, and all ranks as well. They came from all over Merseyside, but none of Gary's station mates were ever involved with me or my girls. Although a distant memory for most, could one of Anne's former clients have grown jealous of her rekindled relationship with Gerard Gilbert? Could it have been someone from the police force affected by her decision to go public and had waited a few years to take revenge? Merseyside police were doing all they could to find out. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. Nearly two months after Gerard Gilbert had been found dead, on December 18th, 2002, a newspaper headline read, police hold victim's wife. It was reported that Anne Huxley had been arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to commit murder. Two other men who weren't named in the article had also been arrested on suspicion of murder, although there were scant details about what connection they had to the victim, or Anne, who was now in police custody. The following day, Gerard Gilbert's former wife appeared before heightened magistrate's court with two men. Anne was charged with conspiracy to commit murder. The two men, 40-year-old Paul Eaton and 35-year-old Paul Lewis, both from Rock Ferry in Birkenhead, around 11 miles from the scene, both faced the same charge along with a charge of murder. Speculation was rife in the press, but little made sense, as Anne had only recently divorced Gerard Gilbert so wouldn't be in line to inherit any of his estate following his death. The major incident team in Merseyside who deal with all categories of serious crime took on the role of investigating the case. Their task was made even more difficult by a considerable number of Merseyside murders throughout the start of 2003 
as four killings in as many weeks stretched the force's facilities to near breaking point as detectives chased leads and searched for clues to aid in the investigation. They visited casinos that Jared Gilbert had been seen in, however that turned up nothing. They also discovered that Jared's family were not too happy with his marriage to Anne Huxley, but again, there was nothing to suggest they were involved. During March, Anne Huxley and her two co-defendants, Paul Leeton and Paul Lewis, appeared before Liverpool Magistrates Court. They all pleaded not guilty to the charge of conspiracy to commit murder between June 30th and October 28th, 2002. Paul Leeton and Paul Lewis also denied they played any part in the murder of Gerard Gilbert. It was alleged that Anne Huxley had convinced the two nightclub bouncers to kill her ex-husband. Anne told police that she had been to a salon and a relative's during the night of Gerard Gilbert's murder. However, phone records and footage from automated number plate recognition cameras placed her in the town of Birkenhead, over the River Mersey and home to both Eton and Lewis. Eton and Lewis acted as an alibi for one another, and claimed they were travelling to Wales to visit a relative of Eaton's who had fallen ill. They insisted after the vehicle they were travelling in broke down, they were forced to return home and instead went out for the night. This story was at odds with the phone records and footage from ANPR cameras which proved they were near the scene during the time of the murder. The police knew the defendant's claims weren't adding up. The trio would remain in custody and a trial was scheduled for the end of June that year. As a trial was opened into the murder of Gerard Gilbert, the jury would hear the details of Anne Huxley's alleged involvement in the death of her former husband, but before the prosecuting counsel could begin his opening statement, Anne interrupted the proceedings, claiming that one of the jury had been a customer of hers. While the jury member looked stunned and protested his innocence, he was quickly replaced. With the trial now underway, the prosecution revealed that Anne Huxley would receive £400,000 in life insurance upon Gerard Gilbert's death, along with inheriting his entire estate. He had signed the policy documents only three months before he died. Anne was also having an affair and was reportedly engaged to Paul Eaton while still living with Gerard Gilbert. Huxley and Eaton had met when she was searching for a location to house a new business. The pair would go on holiday together with Gerard Gilbert none the wiser. The Crown claimed that when she received the insurance payout, she and Paul Leeton planned to leave the UK and move abroad with their newfound wealth. The prosecutor alleged that Anne had told the former husband there was a business deal that he wouldn't want to pass up, so he agreed to meet these prospective businessmen at CTI Trading. He left in high spirits, believing he was up on his luck, only to meet his end. Anne Huxley admitted to having five affairs during her marriage, though she said Gerard blamed himself for her actions. 
His gambling addiction had spun out of control, and on one occasion he reportedly lost around £75,000 in one night. Anne was insistent that while the marriage did have its problems, the divorce was also a way to help separate the couple's financial affairs, stopping any debt collectors claiming her belongings or worse, her home. She said the only reason she set up the life insurance policy was to protect her children, and there was nothing sinister about that. The prosecution claimed that Anne Huxley led Gerard Gilbert to his death by instructing him to go to the CTI trading warehouse where Paul Eaton and Paul Lewis beat him to death with a fire extinguisher. The prosecutor said that the force used in the attack meant that Gerard Gilbert's head literally disintegrated during the assault. He went on to say, There are two reasons Mr. Gilbert met his end, sex and money. Miss Huxley had a love of money and used force to obtain it. A third man, a driver whose name was omitted from news reports, came forward and testified that he drove both Eaton and Lewis to the CTI trading warehouse, but had no idea of what was about to unfold. He would later tell the court that he had overheard the pair discussing an assault, and also noticed blood on their shoes after the attack. An item believed to be a shotgun was thrown from the window of the vehicle and landed in the River Mersey, but was never retrieved. Anne Huxley's failed marriages were laid bare in court, along with her previous employment, managing escort agencies named 2020 city centre escorts and exclusive escorts. Anne claimed that her deceased partner was aware of her past and was even considering opening a new escort enterprise with her called Top Totty. Anne would go on to admit a handful of criminal convictions. This included check and credit card fraud. When Gerard Gilbert left the family home to never return, Anne made frantic calls to emergency services and her friends trying to track her partner down. She denied that this was a ruse, diverting attention away from her involvement and painting her as a grieving widow, unaware of the fate of her husband. Stephen Canavan, the managing director of CTI Trading, took the stand and was questioned about finding the body of Gerard Gilbert. He described freaking out when he found his sales manager lying dead in a pool of blood. He spoke about his relationship with Gerard and how at one point £11,000 had gone missing from the business. Gerard was meant to have paid the money into the business account, however the money disappeared. Under cross-examination, Anne's defence barrister Lord Alex Carlyle suggested that perhaps due to the debt, Stephen Canavan might have wanted to harm Gerard Gilbert. The witness dismissed this, as Gerard had been paying him back through his wages and had almost reimbursed half of the debt before his death, so why would he want to kill him? Gerard hadn't been fired at the time, as Stephen Canavan knew Gerard was a good salesman 
and it would cost him even more money and lost business if he were to dismiss his employee. Attempting to assassinate Stephen Canavan's character, the defence barrister asked the witness if he had ever used the services of a sex worker arranged by Anne. These claims were thoroughly denied by Canavan, who deemed them ridiculous, insisting that the only people responsible for the death of Gerard Gilbert were the defendants. Stephen Canavan's alibi had been checked by police and it was impossible for him to have been involved. He had also made every effort to help the detectives with their investigation and it seemed highly unlikely that if he participated in the murder of Gerard Gilbert, he would point police towards his own involvement. One of Anne Huxley's former partners took the stand and explained that after bumping into Anne, he asked how she was. Patrick Billingsley had lived with Anne on Shellwood Avenue in Highton during the mid-90s for around five months. The doorman at the Blue Angel Club on Seal Street in Liverpool City Centre explained that the conversation with his former partner was stilted. However, before the two parted ways, Billingsley asked Anne how Gerard was and she joked, I haven't bumped him off, yet. Billingsley thought no more of it until detectives turned up on his door asking questions about Anne following her arrest. Another bouncer, Keith Gathercole, who worked the doors at Rocky's nightclub on Argyle Street in Birkenhead, had spoken to Paul Eaton and Dan Huxley one night outside the club. The three started discussing Anne's former husband, Gerard Gilbert, and Eaton joked, Keith will do it, he is nuts. Unsure of what he meant, Keith Gathercole asked Paul Eaton and Anne what they were referring to, and Anne allegedly replied that she was pissed off and wanted Gerard Gilbert murdered. Gathercole inquired how much to do the job, and Anne responded, You will never have to work again. The bouncer said he wasn't a killer and wasn't interested. This spurred Anne and Paul Eaton to inquire further afield. Elizabeth Peatfield, another bouncer, was told by Anne she wanted her husband dead and was there anyone she knew in the northwest of England that could do the job. Following Gerard Gilbert's death, Karen Gray, who worked the doors with Paul Eaton at both the Stairways nightclub and Club 57 in Birkenhead, recognised Anne Huxley in the local newspaper and began to question Eaton about the incident. Karen Gray had gotten to know her colleague over a period of time and confronted him in a local McDonald's. She bluntly asked him if he was involved in the murder of Gerard Gilbert and Paul Eaton replied, Yes. As he recounted the details of that night, he looked extremely shaken. Paul Eaton explained that after confronting Gilbert at the CTI trading warehouse, he planned to shoot him. However, Eaton couldn't bring himself to pull the trigger before a struggle ensued. The gun did fire, leaving damage to the ceiling before Gerard was bludgeoned to death. Karen Gray would later be asked in court if she believed Paul Eaton's motive for killing Gerard Gilbert was money. She replied, That's the only reason he ended up doing it.
Paul Lewis, who police believe was involved in Jared Gilbert's death, had been friends with Paul Eaton for over a decade, although had only met Anne Huxley in passing a handful of times. While Lewis admitted that he was in the CTI trading building, he said he played no part in the murder. He gave a statement after being arrested, and this was read aloud to the court. Paul Lewis explained that he was outside the warehouse in Paul Eaton's car, and it wasn't until he heard screams coming from the business unit that he ventured inside. During his interview, he said, I heard a commotion like screaming. I thought somebody might have been attacked, and I went inside. I saw somebody on the floor, and Paul was standing over them with a fire extinguisher. I panicked and told him to get out of there. I did not touch the body or cause that person any harm. Further details of Anne's past relationship with Paul Eaton was also brought to light. After Anne was questioned about Jared Gilbert's death, Anne claimed she had been stalked by a former client, Paul Gunning, who employed her services at the 2020 Escort Agency. When describing what action she took to dissuade the man's interest, she told her colleagues that she had got engaged to Paul Eaton, hoping that information would reach Paul Gunning. When that didn't work, she asked that Eaton attack Gunning. In her statement to police, she said, I'm not going to lie to you. I am responsible for Paul Gunning getting assaulted outside the house. He had followed me, but the police chased him away. He had assaulted Jed and tried to take my little girl from school. He was a hell of a nuisance. During the police investigation, detectives managed to track down Paul Gunning and interview him. He confirmed that yes, he did have a sexual relationship with Anne Huxley that didn't end well, but in an extraordinary claim, he stated that the £11,000 that Gerard Gilbert was said to have lost had in fact been taken by Anne and Gunning had briefly held on to the money for her before she collected it later. This admission was the catalyst that turned the investigation upside down and placed Anne Huxley directly in the sights of detectives. As the trial continued into its fifth week, the jury arrived at Liverpool Crown Court to carry out their duty, but were met with an abundance of activity in a hectic courtroom. Paul Eaton, the man whom the Crown claim was involved in the murder of Gerard Gilbert, had instructed his counsel that he would now be pleading guilty. During the trial, Eaton was resolute that he was not involved and claimed that police had assaulted him while in custody. The prosecution provided footage of the times in which Eaton had claimed he had been mistreated and proved his claims to be false. Perhaps Eaton could see the writing on the wall. Following his confession, this would result in a retrial for Anne Huxley and Paul Lewis. Due to the publicity surrounding the events of the murder and subsequent trial, it was agreed that a second trial would be moved from Liverpool to Manchester. Paul Eaton would face a life sentence, with a minimum term later determined from the Royal Courts of Justice in London. The second trial started much like the first, 
from Manchester Crown Court, Anne Huxley and Paul Lewis protested their innocence, with Anne resolutely denying the prosecution's claim that she wanted Gerard Gilbert dead for his life insurance. Lewis insisted he was in no way involved in the killing of Gerard Gilbert, maintaining the story that he was outside the warehouse in a van when the attack occurred, only entering after hearing a commotion. He said that Paul Eaton was to blame. Pathologist Dr. Alison Armour gave testimony in which she described Jared Gilbert's injuries. His jaw, nose, cheekbones and ribs were fractured during the assault. The pathologist said, In my opinion there has been some high velocity force causing injuries almost exclusively seen in firearms injuries. However there was no evidence that this was from a firearm injury and the only alternative is that this was the result of blunt force trauma. Police would learn the only missing piece of equipment taken from the CTI trading warehouse was a fire extinguisher. After police discovered that both Paul Eaton and Paul Lewis might be involved in the murder of Gerard Gilbert, investigators asked themselves where were both the firearm discharged during the attack and the fire extinguisher used to beat Gerard to death. A witness who had been travelling with two of the defendants on the night of the murder had since testified that the firearm was thrown from the vehicle that Eaton and Lewis were travelling in. This left the fire extinguisher. Police traced their movements and Eaton and Lewis headed to a biker club. One of them was seen carrying a fire extinguisher. They were also witnessed burning items of clothing. Next to the club, there was a galvanising factory. The factory often utilised corrosive liquids and some of the containers were located next to a fence near the club. Was it possible the items had been disposed of there? Detectives went to find out. They asked the business owner if they could drain the vats of acid, particularly those close to the perimeter, and once they did, a partially dissolved fire extinguisher emerged. Paul Lewis continued to protest his innocence and claimed that he was told by Paul Leeton he was going to the warehouse on the Highton Industrial Estate to carry out a repossession job on two motor vehicles. Lewis again testified that Eaton went inside and it wasn't until Lewis heard screaming and shouting he decided to go into the CTI trading unit. He claimed he entered the premises and saw his friend Paul Eaton shouting at the lifeless body of Gerard Gilbert. He said, I was screaming and swearing and asking him what was going on. He was mumbling and swearing at the person on the floor and was just sickened. Lewis went on to say he never saw Reeton attack Gilbert, and the men fled the scene. While Lewis was insistent that he didn't lay a finger on Gerard Gilbert, his DNA was discovered on a piece of latex found under Gerard Gilbert's body. The piece appeared to have come from a latex glove. Completely stumped, Lewis said, of no explanation how that could be there. This finding was at odds with Lewis's claims that he never touched the body. While Paul Eaton admitted to his part in the murder, 
Anne Huxley denied she knew of Eaton's plans. She told the jury, I did not know of any intention of Paul Eaton to do him any harm. I never wanted to do any harm to anybody, let alone Jed. Once the evidence had been presented, the jury retired to consider their verdict. It wouldn't be long until it was reached. On April 2nd, 2004, Anne Huxley was found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and Paul Lewis was also found guilty of murder. Further detail emerged as to how Gerard Gilbert ended up being at the CTI trading warehouse. Anne told Gerard that she had managed to arrange a business deal that would make him a lot of money. When Gerard Gilbert arrived, he was soon to realise there was no business deal before he was set upon by Paul Leeton and Paul Lewis. Recorder of Manchester Judge David Madison sentenced mother and grandmother Anne Huxley to 20 years in prison. Paul Lewis, a father to two children, received 16 years. From Manchester Crown Court, Judge Madison said, These offences in my view were wicked and callous involving a considerable degree of premeditation. This was quite plainly a case arising out of a contract killing by Lewis and Eaton, and I have no doubt they were promised a large amount of money, although I do not know how much. The judge turned to face Anne and stated, The fact that you took out the huge life insurance policy leads me to the conclusion that this was your idea, and what finally happened was a dreadful murder. It was said by your counsel that you have sorrow for the passing of your former husband. I have not detected that. I have no doubt that you have sorrow for your present predicament and for your daughter, but for that, you must bear responsibility for your own criminal actions. The judge went on to say that although Eaton and Lewis were not included in the substantial planning of the murder and were recruited at a later stage, they had shown a complete lack of remorse for their part in the killing. Detective Superintendent Russ Walsh, who led the inquiry, spoke about Huxley and Eaton's plans. He said, Eaton knew the area well and he showed Huxley around Wirral. They developed a relationship and she got him involved in the murder of Jed Gilbert. Eaton believed their relationship would continue after the killing happened, but because of the type of woman she is, it is not out of the question she would have discarded him when he had done what she wanted. It wouldn't be until three years after his confession that Paul Eaton would learn his fate following his admission that he played a part in the murder of Gerard Gilbert. Mr Justice Clark spoke from the Royal Courts of Justice in London and described the victim's injuries. He said, The skull was shattered, and most of the deceased's brain came out of his head. The body had been dragged a few yards across the floor and left near a forklift truck, probably in a crude attempt to fake an accident. Taking into account a moving victim impact statement from Gerard Gilbert's family, and the brutal nature of the murder, the judge observed, Eaton was the one in a close relationship with Anne Huxley. 
I was and remained satisfied that he was close to her in the planning of the crime. Eaton's plea of guilty came extremely late at a stage when his position before the jury was utterly hopeless. In the circumstances, I determined that the appropriate minimum period which Mr. Eaton must serve before the early release provisions are to apply to him is 18 years. So where are we now? A few months after the second trial in July 2004, Merseyside Police's longest-serving member, Detective Superintendent Russ Walsh, announced his retirement. He had been in the force since 1966 and had led the inquiry into Jared Gilbert's murder. He was interviewed by the Daily Post and spoke about his motivation to help victims find closure. He stated... To get enough evidence to bring a successful prosecution gives you a tremendous sense of achievement. During the end of June 2013, Anne Huxley again appeared in the public eye. She testified as a witness during the trial of Joseph Collins and Sharon Swinhoe who had been charged with the murder of 68-year-old Peter McMahon. He had died from cardiac arrhythmia after he was strangled and his eyes were gouged out. 77-year-old Ronald Douglas had admitted to helping Collins and Swinhoe move the body and pleaded guilty to a charge of perverting the course of justice. It was alleged that Peter McMahon was murdered at Sharon Swinhoe's home and his body was transported in a suitcase and stored in a large chest freezer at some point in October 2012. An exact time of death was difficult to pinpoint due to the body being stored in such low temperatures, however this was estimated to be between October 18th and October 28th. Peter McMahon had been in a relationship with Swinhoe, but police alleged that she arranged his murder and made multiple withdrawals from McMahon's bank account. Sharon Swinhoe was being held on remand at HMP Low Newton near Durham, with Anne Huxley, who was acting as a prison mentor and welfare representative for Swinhoe. Anne had been in prison for over a decade, and at this point had kept a diary of her day-to-day activities, along with any unusual events. From the witness box and surrounded by court security officials, Anne told the court that Sharon Swinhoe recounted conflicting accounts of what happened. Although she never directly admitted to the murder, often jumping from the topic of loathing her deceased lover to speaking of how much she missed him, at one point Swinhoe described Peter McMahon's eyes swelling as he was being strangled. She also mentioned she had blood on her hands and under her fingernails. Due in part to Anne Huxley's testimony, Sharon Swinhoe and Joseph Collins were found guilty of murder and perverting the course of justice. Both received a life sentence, with Swinhoe receiving a minimum of 25 years and Collins 20. When or if Anne Huxley, Paul Eaton and Paul Lewis are released, they will remain on licence for the rest of their lives.
Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Don't forget to pre-order your copy of our new book, They Walk Among Us, available on Thursday, May 30th, 2019, from all good bookshops. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.